thank you for coming out today. This is going to be a good one. It's already a good one. Got good because you were here. Am I right? And it's even better because he's here. Oh, there we go. I feel like a preacher this morning. We're going to go to the book of Joshua to start this thing out. And uh, this morning we were praying with our team before we got started. And I told them that I felt like uh, a dad going on a trip and wanting to make sure we bring everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we need to bring that. And, and you know how they, they say, oh, I don't think we're going to need it. And you, you just have a feeling. I, I probably just need to bring it just in case. And so I got a lot of just in case stuff in case we need it today. Um, and so Joshua chapter one, let's jump in. I'm happy my team won last night. Go Tigers. I'm happy your team won Friday night. I heard that comment. Somebody over here said, that's unusual. He's young. We'll let him slide. Your team won Friday night. Some others, their team won last night, but it was tough. And then that other team to the north, we're going to talk about them. He's winking at me over here, and so we're not worried about Georgia. All right, let's get down to business. Quit playing with all this and get down to business, all right? Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. You've heard these verses before. These are some of my favorite in the Bible. I know they were spoken to Joshua, but I, I try to make it like he's speaking it to me. You ever do that with Bible verses before where, where the Lord was speaking to somebody else, but you're kind of like, I'm going to stand in there and let it be for me. And that's what I do when I read these, the first chapter of Joshua. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. That's a good setup right there. You stay on track, you'll have success. You deviate, you're going to get in trouble, okay? Verse 8, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm beginning to get the feeling this guy had a fear problem. Am I right? I mean, they keep saying, be strong and courageous. He must have been weak and scared. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't be scared. And that's kind of what God was doing to Joshua. Don't be scared. Don't be weak. I'm right here with you. Meditate on my word. Don't deviate. Don't be scared. Be strong. I'm right here with you. He's just reiterating it over and over. And then we get to verse 10. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. It's like he, he, he heard something from God that has inspired him, dealt with his fear a little bit, realized the track he needs to be on, and now he's going to his guys and tell them, get ready. That's what he's, he's, he's trying to get this thing set up, get ready, 
in three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now we know the story of Moses, that God was using Moses to lead the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt to take them to the promised land. It wasn't a short trip. It was a long trip. Anybody ever took a long trip before? Are we there yet? They asked it so many times. Are we there yet? And that's so frustrating whenever you're the one driving because everyone else is sleeping in the car and pops up, wants to know, are we there yet? No, we're not. We're just 20 minutes down the road. And then you know what's coming next, right? I got to pee. Now we got to stop. Are we there yet? No, we're not because we have to stop, okay? So Moses has been leading this charge for so long. He's gotten older, and he has passed away. In the process of his passing, he has passed the baton on to another generation of leaders. And now Joshua is taking the baton to take the lead of the children of Israel. And this is kind of like orientation right here, Joshua chapter 1. The Lord brought him into the conference room to give him the orientation, the leadership orientation to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And it was all about strength. It was all about courage. It was all about staying on track. And it was all about following everything that God said. This is what the whole orientation was all about. So he comes out of his orientation meeting and he's stepping into his leadership role and he's telling his key guys, get ready. So this is where it begins, and we jump now to Joshua chapter 3, and this is where it's actually beginning to happen. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Now, I'm sure you're thinking there is a bridge that they're going to cross, or there's a boat that they're going to take. But there is no bridge and there is no boat. There's a lot of people, and there's a lot of water. And this is Joshua's first step. This is his first encounter as a leader, that he has to lead his people through something that isn't easy to do. However, they've been there before. Because when Moses was leading them out of Egypt, the first encounter that they had was the Red Sea. And they knew what it was like to have their backs against the wall and had their God, you can do anything moment, but this thing right here, this sea is pretty big and we need to get across there. And I need you to hurry because Pharaoh's coming with his people to get us. So can you expedite the process? And we know the story how Joshua, I mean, how Moses lifts his hands, just such an iconic movie cinematic moment. Moses lifts his hands, and as he lifts his hands, the waters of the Red Sea begin to part, and everybody's eyes are really big. Can't believe this is happening. But we sang a while ago, you can do anything, and now something is happening. I can't believe, but I'm seeing this. And you imagine taking the first step in there? Like, we just think, oh, let's just go. Let's just go. This is awesome. God is awesome. You know you're looking at that wall of water on each side thinking, is that going to hold? Because, like, I go swimming, but I don't swim in the deep end. And I didn't bring my floaties. This is, this, is, this is the real story, man. Sometimes we read and we just think, oh, let's go. Let's walk right across this thing. We never account the things that we're afraid of in real life. 
but we live with those things every day. And how courageous were they to actually walk through this path that God had created through the Red Sea. They make it to the other side. Pharaoh and all his men are coming after them. They even take that path. And what happened? The waters closed in on them and God took care of their enemies as he was leading them into their freedom. And now here we go, another generation. It's another generation that faces another obstacle that looks a lot like the last obstacle. And now Joshua is in leadership. And the question for Joshua is this. I know it worked for Moses. And Moses is a pretty big deal. Am I right? Like, when you read the Bible, there's two people that really stick out. Jesus and Moses. Joshua, we hear about him, but not like Moses and Jesus. And so the question for Joshua is, is it going to work for me like it worked for them? And I think there is a generation today that is asking, does this faith in God work for us like it did for the previous generation, like it did for the generation before that? And even though the numbers are declining with believers in our world, every generation, the number of believers gets smaller. And even though it's small, don't freak out because a remnant, a remnant is all God needs. But the question is, does it work for this generation like it did the last generation? And everyone from the previous generation will say what the next generation needs to do. But this generation is saying, we know what we need to do. We just don't know how to do this because we've never done this before. And this is where we are. This is where you and I are as believers. How many of you, you have a family member, mom, dad, grandparent, that has a strong faith background. Let me see your hand. Just wave at me. Hands all across the room, all over the place. Strong faith background. Do you realize how much benefit that you have received in your life? How much faith legacy has been poured into you that you may not even be aware of yet because of a previous generation that prayed prayers for you before you even existed? Before you even breathe your first breath, they were praying for you, praying for your future. Come on, somebody. Like they were doing the work before they even had to work on you. <laughs> and they were praying prayers way ahead of time. And now here we are and we can feel so weak. We can feel so overwhelmed that we overlook what prayers have already been prayed, what intercession has already been made for this generation. And we can, we can cause ourselves to slip into a place where we feel completely helpless. But we got to remember where we came from. We got to remember there's been some work that's been done. Some people have labored in prayer for this generation, for this time, for us, for where we are. And now it's just our turn to stand in front of the obstacle and lift our hands and see the glory of God work in our generation just like God has worked in previous generations. And this is the setting for where we are with this story. And here they are. It's early in the morning. They left the, the Acacia Grove. They arrived at the banks of the Jordan where they camped before crossing. Verse 2. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. Here we go. This is the instructions now for the new generation. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. That's your, that's your rules. You follow. 
The priests are going to go ahead of you. They have the ark. They're going to go ahead of you, and you follow them. Verse 4, since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Come on. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark, and make sure you don't come any closer. And here's the part I want to get to. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves or consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do great wonders among you. It's a new word for a new generation that God is speaking. Tomorrow, I will do great wonders among you. And hey, let's get excited that God's going to do great wonders among us. But call a time out real quick because that's not all he said. He said, purify yourselves, consecrate yourselves because something's about to happen. I need you to get ready for what's about to happen because if you're not ready, you could miss what's about to happen. So today I want to begin a new vision series. This is a vision series for our church. It's called, Are You Ready? Are you ready? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today what you want to say, and what you want to do. Father, you speak better than anyone to us. And Father, I'm just a servant that stands up here as a voice representing you. And I ask you to speak through me today. I humble myself for your service, God. Knowing that every person in here, if they hear your word, it will bring life. It will bring change. It will bring motivation. It will be everything they need if they hear your voice. So today in this place, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and ears to hear what you want to say and let it accomplish all that you want it to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm that kind of person that likes to be early for everything. Can I get an amen from somebody in here? Anybody in here? It's something that my dad instilled in me and I still do it to this day. Pretty much everywhere I go, I am early. And I'm not talking two minutes. I'm not talking five minutes. I'm not talking 15. I like to be early, okay? And I know, maybe you call that OCD. We all got our issues. But I'm going to be there before you, okay? And that's not pride. That's just what happens, okay? And um, I remember when Cynthia and I were dating. When we started dating, I had the idea that I was going to be a good boyfriend, And I was going to start picking her up for church. I don't know why everybody in here is laughing right now. I did. I said nothing other than I'm going to be a good boyfriend. I mean, come on, guys. That's what you do. Am I right? Okay. And so, um, The time I told her I would be at her house to pick her up, no one ever factored in that I'm early. And so I would show up and I would say, hey, I'm here, I'm early. And she would say, I'm not ready. (laughs) And I learned that the time I like to be there is different than the time that she likes to be there. In fact, I did not know this was a thing about men and women at this point in my life. Maybe I was naive. Maybe I was just so sincere about being early that I didn't pay attention to all of this. But looking back now, I I can remember that 
most of the congregation, when the music started, were the men. It was men everywhere. And then midway through the first song, this is where the ladies begin to make their entrance. And the whole cover of We Had to Bring the Kids, at first I thought that was true, and then I realized that is not true. Because if, if that lady's going to get that dressed up with that outfit, with that hair, and that jewelry, and that makeup, you've got to make an entrance. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And the way our church was arranged back at home, it was a round building, and there were certain doors that if you walk through it, it went from just a normal entrance to a grand entrance. And I noticed, I began to notice that these ladies would come in on these side entrances, and they were really dressed up. Like, really, really, like, like we have casualized our dress for church, but back in the day, it was like, it was on. Okay, it was on. Like, you dressed up. Like, I was wearing a shirt and tie to church. I'm not doing that anymore. It didn't yield any results. And if you're, you're, from, you're from that camp, great. But it didn't help me reach anybody, I promise you. It just made me sweat, okay? And I'll do it twice a year. I'll do it for Easter and I'll do it for Christmas, okay? But, but, but on a weekly basis, I'm working right now, okay? I'm at work, okay? And so they would walk through the door, and they had that, that, that waltz step, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm running late. Like when a guy's running late, he's getting in there and sitting down. He's not looking around at anybody. But when the ladies would come in, it's a slower walk. Good to see you. Oh, look at the baby. I'm being very careful right now, man. <clears throat> I like to be early. I like to be ready to go. That's how I like to roll. Um, my kids like to be early. And I love that. Well, at least two of them do. One of them is uh, not you. <laughs> not you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we have this thing in our house uh, where whenever I ask them or Cynthia asks them whenever they're, if, hey, are you ready yet? And it could be school, it could be church, we could be going out for dinner, whatever it is. Are you ready yet? The standard answer has become this. Hold on, I'm putting on my shoes. This morning it happened. I'm ready to roll. Hey guys, it's time to go. Hold on, I'm putting on my shoes, which is code for I'm laying down. code for I'm still in the bed. Come on, this this just, I mean, I like to be early. I'm trying to instill some values, and I've learned that they do like to be early, but they also like to stay in the bed. Come on, anybody else? Cynthia likes to be early, well, kind of, but she likes to stay in the bed, and I'm ready to get going. So we reached a little agreement. You take your car and I'll take mine. That's some marriage counseling for somebody in here. You're dying on that hill. You need to get off of that hill and get in your car. You know what I'm saying? Then you can pick up the fried chicken on the way home. There you go. Mama can bring the kids and you can come in with the food. There you go. Bring the groceries to the house. Are you ready? Are you ready? 
few weeks ago, we were praying with our staff before service starts, and um, when I pray, I do speak to God, but I also listen. It's a two-way communication. It's not just let me run through my grocery list of prayer requests with you and check them off. It's I pray and I listen because God speaks. I don't know if you know that, but God will speak to you. And um, while I was praying and listening, the Lord asked me a question. And this is usually the way God speaks to me. He speaks to me with questions. And he asked me, are you ready? And that is such a loaded question right there whenever God asks you, are you ready? Because it can mean something great. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Let's do it. Everything you got, I'll take it. And whenever you hear it like that, it's awesome. But then when he asks, are you ready? And I'm still trying to put my shoes on. I'm not ready. And it really put me in a place to, um, to start evaluating my readiness for the prayers that I've been praying. Now, I, I, and I want to go there with this a little bit because we do not realize sometimes what we ask God for. Seriously, we don't, like, pray the big prayers of faith. Go for it. Just realize what you're getting yourself into whenever you pray for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like oh, God, bless me with a child. Oh, Lord, I'm just praying you bless me with a child. Lord, what have you done? <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Lord, send me a spouse. I'm going to get married. I want to get married. I know some young guys in here. Lord, give me a girlfriend. And two days in, Lord, what have you done to me? Get out of there, bro. Get out of there. Get out of there. Um, so when I heard the Lord ask me this question, uh, I was excited. But then I started to think, am I really ready for God to answer the prayers that I've been praying? Am I really ready for God to answer the prayers that I've been praying about our church? And you need your pastor to be up here saying, yeah, I'm ready. That's what you need your pastor to say. Am I right? You could say, yeah. I know, because I expect me to say, yeah. But I wasn't saying, yeah, when I was thinking of all of this, because I started calculating what it can mean. Okay? So one of the numbers that I've prayed for our church to grow to, I'll give you a good example. Okay? One of the numbers I pray for our church to grow to, grow to at this stage is 400 people. Boy, that's awesome. Am I right? 400 people. Let me tackle somebody and tear down the goalposts. Let's go. Just get fired up because that'd be awesome. The day we got 400, everybody's high-fiving. Everybody's buying lunch for everybody. It's going to be great and everything. But then you start looking at the other side of what that means if the Lord was to answer that prayer. Because what that means is not one service, but two services. We like the one service thing. One big service. Let's go. Energy in the room. Let's do this thing. Two services. Huh. Huh. That means I got to be earlier. And I got to stay later. Saints kick off with the Bucks today at 1 p.m. We eating tacos at the house watching the game. If we got 400 people in doing two services, I got to go to Moe's. 
I missed kickoff. Oh, I know that's funny. But this is counting the cost of what we're asking God for. Hold on, hold on. We got to get more people on our teams. We got to get more people serving in kids. That's your kids. That is your kids. My kids are old now. They're keeping your kids. That's your kids. You did that. He's over there. I did that. <laughs> That's more musicians. That's more people serving in production. That's more people at the door shaking hands saying, good morning, welcome to Emerge Church. Watch this. We got to make more coffee. Twice. So the Lord says, are you ready? In concept, yes. In practice, I don't know about all this yet. We're in the waiting. (laughs) I'm messing with us a little bit because that's how we like to do it. And what I find is when I'm ready and that other person who's riding with me isn't, they're not in the waiting. I am. Baby, I've been waiting 15 minutes. <laughs> Last night, we waited over an hour for our food. Over an hour, we left. <laughs> Couldn't wait anymore. I was hungry. Man, got to eat. Um, here's another example. To ask us if we're ready. I've heard some ladies say, God saved my husband. He needs to be saved. And I think that's a question you got to ask yourself. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for him to give his life to the Lord and want to be committed and want to take the lead spiritually? When you've been taking all the lead spiritually, can you hand those reins over to him after you've been doing it for so long? Are you ready? Like this, this, this is why I wanted to talk about this today because, oh man, I am with you. I will, I will line up with you and pray the mega prayers. And if you can't pray them, I will help you to pray them. I will script something that sounds so magnificently awesome, incredible, so large that you will do a little two-step charismatic dance. Come on, I know it. And that's the fun part, am I right? Like, let's break it down, baby. We're praying, Lord, you can do it. But then when you think about what you just prayed for, it's like, I don't know if I can do all that, Lord. I don't mean, Lord, I ask you to give me a promotion at work. And let me tell you what that's really code for. I want more money. Let's just be real in the house of God. God, give me the money. Show me the money. Which means... Hey, we'd like to talk to you about a new position we have created just for you. And we're going to pay you this much. You're like, oh, let's go. Let's go. But let me tell you what the responsibilities are going to be. You now have 15 people that you will supervise. And these are their names. And you scroll through the list really quick and you say, Did I pray that prayer at church on Sunday? Did I really just pray this prayer? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. 
And then they outline all the responsibilities, and it was all the suggestions that you have given them over the last three years of how they could improve. Come on, let's go, somebody. Now we're working, and, and now they're laying it out. And you begin to do like a little personal accounting. And I'm not talking about with finances because as soon as you saw that person's name on the list, you can give me all the money in the world, and this ain't working. But now you're starting to do a little personal accounting, and you're realizing, whoo, I'm going to have to be here earlier in the morning. And I have to stay later. And I know, I mean, it's a great salary, but hmm. what am I getting myself into here? But we prayed it, man. We had people lay hands on us. We told the prayer team before church, we snuck over there and said, hey, I need y'all to pray for me to have a promotion. And then it happens and you realize, what have I gotten myself into? Y'all know what I'm saying? You ever talked yourself up and then got yourself into it and you're like, I don't even know who that person was that I was talking about. But now they expect me to do all of this. I said that. I prayed that. Did I really pray that? Lord, that's not what I meant when I said that. (laughs) That's not what I, Lord, when I said bless me, what I meant was give me. I didn't ask for all that, this is all the silliness. And I definitely didn't ask for that number 12 on the list, that number 12 name. I didn't ask for that. But I understand Jesus had a Judas, and so I get it. I get it. Just trying to work through it, but I ain't ready for all that. <laughs> that's why I asked, are you ready? <laughs> and some of you are like, okay, that's it. <laughs> No more big prayers for me. <laughs> None. I'm praying safe stuff right here. Lord, I'm asking for days off. <laughs> I'm asking for money without work. Uh, I'm asking for quiet kids. <laughs> Children are a blessing from the Lord. Yes, they are. But they need to be quiet. You know, <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> Put your shoes on. <laughs> Oh, man. But that's why I asked, are, are, are we really ready for what we want God to do? And I would like to think and believe that I'm ready, man, for whatever. God, I'm ready for whatever you have for me. But when I begin to look at the context of this, I find that I really would prefer God to work according to my conveniences. And I would really prefer God to work around my schedule you know what I'm saying? And not be a burden to what I got going on because, God, we're just trying to make it like we are. And I think sometimes God looks at that and says, yeah, you're just trying to make it like you are, but if we did this my way, you might really make it. You know? Because we, we, we like for him to be the friend that sticks closer than the brother, but we don't always do well with him being the Lord. We were like a, a, a equal, co-equal type of relationship with God. With, with all the empathy from heaven being reigned into our lives. But when God begins to give direction and correction, that's where it's like, oh, buddy, that's not what I signed up for. But it's so needed because God wants to do some amazing things in our lives And I I bring this up before we dive into all of the vision that I want to share with you. And we're not going to do it all today. I want to set it up. I bring that up to you because it is so easy to get inspired and excited about vision. 
But it's a whole other thing to actually carry it. Because when you're carrying it, the gloss is no longer appealing. The sun is reflecting off of it. It's getting in your eyes now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, gosh, somebody needs to buff that. Well, you're the one to buff it. (laughs) In your life, you're the one that God chose. Like, you're the one that God chose to lead that family. You're the one that God chose to put in that position. You might be complaining about your parents, but God chose that for you. Here we go. You might be complaining about the spouse. Well, you chose that. I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm just telling you, we, we had that opportunity out of all the people on the planet. Got to have them forever. You and me. Two weeks in, what have I done? And who knows what they're saying? Who knows? Do we realize what we're getting ourselves into? So when I look at this with Joshua, it's kind of like, hey, Joshua, come here real quick <laughs> before you get into this. You know what you're getting yourself into? <laughs> Do you realize what you have done? It's like, I just want to have that conversation with you. Because with that glory comes a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff. And I don't share that to discourage anyone. I do that to prepare us. Because we must be prepared for what God wants to do, or else God could actually be doing it, and we would never recognize it. Because we get stuck in our old ways. We get stuck in our attitudes. We get stuck in some of our habits. We get stuck in some of our, 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 our thinking. We get stuck in some of these routines that we've had for so long. We get stuck in our hurts. We get stuck in these places, and really, we, we pray prayers that God will come condition everything. Just, come con- just put an airbag all around it. And God's saying, I want to take you through, through it. Because we're going somewhere, and now Joshua is stepping into this role where he has to take them somewhere. And if you go back and read what Moses encountered with these people, there was a lot of complaining. Heck, one day they even put together an idol. Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. While he's gone, you know what they did? Hey, I have an idea. Let's get all the jewelry and make a calf out of it, and we'll bow down and worship it. You people hadn't just seen all the things that God has done for you. This is what Joshua's getting. And he has to lead them now. And so he's stepping into this leadership role. And right now, so many people in this room that are in leadership is like, please preach this thing because you are conditioning my soul right now because this is my life. This is my work. This is what I do. I feel more like I'm running a daycare than than an organization sometimes. That's for you. Okay. Just trying to be relevant, man. And Joshua is taking this thing over from Moses. No intimidation, right? Moses, epic leader. They make movies out of Moses. And Joshua's taking the reins to lead them. And God tells him, get ready. So Joshua tells his people to get ready. And he uses this word, consecrate. Consecrate means this. You might want to write this down because this is one of those Bible words that we just overlook because it's like, that's for the priest. You know, I know that. That's for the priest. They need to clean up their act before they try to do something for God. But now Joshua is saying it to the people. 
He's saying it to the people. This is a new generation that is being spoken to. And he tells them, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. And the word consecrate means this. It means to set apart, to dedicate or devote to the service and worship of God. It, 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 it's, a, it's a difference between the way I have always been and it's a difference from what everyone else is to being set apart to who God wants me to be. We, we do this with certain things in our lives, things that are really valuable. We don't just leave them out in the open. We set them apart from things. We have special places that we keep them because they have value, they have purpose. And so we, we, we don't just throw it in with, it's not in the junk drawer. You know what I'm saying? We don't keep the valuable stuff in the junk drawer. And if you do, you probably ought to change that. But we have dedicated places where we keep this stuff because it's valuable and it needs to be set apart. And Joshua is speaking this word. He's saying you need to set yourselves apart. In other words, you need to see what your role is who you are in God's sight. Because if you just go along with everyone else, you miss everything that God has for you. And as a generation, we are stuck. I need y'all to hear this. We're stuck trying to fit in with everyone and fit in everything God has for us. And we're still trying to please them and please him. And that's hard to do because there's a difference between them and him. There's a difference. And so because of that, our witness gets watered down. We didn't mean for that to happen. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be wishy-washy, but I also don't want to be holier than thou. And so we go to extremes because we don't want to be holier than thou. We slide into not even being holy at all. And so Joshua's trying to address this is where we're going, but before we go there, we got to get ready. We got to get ourselves ready because the, the caliber of things that God wants to do in our life, we're not really ready for it. It's exciting and get fired up, man. We're going to do it, man. We're going to do it. We're going to do it big. We're going to do that? Hold up. <laughs> this is typically how we operate. When you look at Joshua 3, 5, consecrate yourselves. Tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. There's so much anticipation in it, but there's also so much responsibility in it. So let's break this down. What do we do to get ready? What do we need to do to get ready? Somebody would say, put on your shoes. I agree. Get your shoes on. Let's go. But I would say the first thing, when, we, when we're talking in terms of the word consecrate, first thing is we need to cut some things out. Is that too harsh? We've got to cut some things out. Um, how many of you have kids in here that try to get ready on their own in the morning? Yeah, okay. Usually they're running behind because they got some other things they got busy doing. A little device in their hands that they use to communicate with us and all the rest of the world. But it's like you're not ready because you've been playing on that phone. Come on, how many parents have said that? How many kids have heard your parents say that before? You've been playing on that phone, and everybody's like, quit saying that to me. Well, we're trying to leave. <laughs> we're going to be late. But there are some things in our lives that we have to be aware of as believers that we've got to cut out. 
And that's the part that's not easy. Because we find ways to roll with it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, don't worry about that. That smell's been in the car for years. Well, you don't smell it the same. We just got in. Where'd that come from? That you? No, one time we left a tuna sandwich in here. Man, you need Febreze. (laughs) For real. (laughs) Am I right? But you rode in it every day. (laughs) You rode in it so many times, you're just like, just crack the window. It's fine. It's not fine. I'm gagging over here. You got masks left from COVID? Man, this is bad. Got some things in our lives we need to cut out. And I've done this long enough now that you don't even have to say what it is anymore. Now, the religious people, they want you to create a list. They want the list. They want you to go through the whole list of every sin that man has ever committed in their lives. Because if you preach on sin, pastor, they'll repent. (laughs) I thought if you preached on Jesus, they would repent. People know what they're doing. And we know there are some things that we need to cut out in our lives. Let's, let's say it like this. There's some attitudes we need to cut out. Let's just go up. Let's, let's, let's get out of the list of sins and just go broad. We know there are some attitudes that we need to cut out. Am I right? Because it's hurting us. But, but we are so good at, oh, I'm going to let you know how I feel about it. I'm straight up. I know, man. But your straight up is straight crazy. <laughs> right? Gosh. But that's the stuff. That's the stuff, y'all. I know, it's like, Pastor, I thought we were about to get excited up in here. I'm trying. I'm just trying to get you ready for it. Because it's worse whenever you get all excited and then you try to step into it. And it wasn't what you thought it would be because you ain't where you need to be. I, I, I talked myself up before and got a job and started doing it. Like, what have I done? When I, years ago, I had a painting business. I was a painting contractor. and I put a bid on this big house that was going to pay a lot of money. And I didn't have big employees. I had a few. <laughs> and I realized one day into the job, oh, my goodness, this is just too much. I thought I was ready because I was excited about the money that it was going to produce, but I wasn't ready because I didn't have the employees, and better yet, I didn't have the energy to pull that off. And I had to walk away from that job. That's what I'm talking about. There, there are some things in our lives that some of our complaints are clues to some of the things that we've got to work on. And I say this to us. Can I preach like that? I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching us because there are some things that I will straight up complain about. And I don't want to hear the Lord at that point. Lord, you could talk whenever we pray. But when I'm complaining, I got it. But most of the times, the things that I'm complaining about, those are my problems. Yeah, I know, man. And it's hard. Like, listen, y'all, it's hard being the preacher. It is, man. I, and I don't, I don't want sympathy. I don't want none of that. I'm just letting you know. Sometimes you get up here fired up about saying something. You find yourself in the middle of it. You're like, ooh. Man. I got to 
work on that. We're going to skip that. We're going to skip that point. And then the next day, the Lord just like, hey, let's talk about that point again. Lord, don't we have other things to talk about? More pressing issues. But God will say, not just, hey, I'm going to bless you with this, but it will say, hey, I want you to get rid of that. I want you to change the content of the things that you're putting in front of your eyes. Some of those shows, and, and that's not fire and brimstone preaching. That's just being aware that I can't just let anything into my soul. That's what that is. You know what I'm saying? But usually we, we, we have the it's not a big deal syndrome. And this is how that usually goes. And I'm just, follow, I'll be honest, I'm following a lot of the lead of the Holy Spirit as I share this message today. This is how this goes. The, the, it's not a big deal. When somebody asks you about it, when our immediate justification becomes, well, it's not really that big of a deal. As soon as we say that, we have to know, well, it just became a big deal. We have to be aware of that because if we're not careful, we will let something that's not a big deal get in in the way of the big deal of the thing that we're praying for. I'm just be I I just I I'm just saying we got to be we got to be aware of these things. And God's just saying, well, if it ain't a big deal, just cut it out. And then if we can't cut it out, that's where we realize it's a bigger deal than I thought because now it's actually a struggle that I put under the cover of. It's not a big deal. Amen? And listen, be careful how you hear these sermons that you don't hear it for somebody else, but that we hear it for ourselves personally. Because, look, I can sit in a church service and amen the preacher all day for somebody else, but whenever they say it for me, take notes. (laughs) If I'm sitting by Cynthia, where are we eating after this? (laughs) And it just looks like I was taking notes. So what do we do to get ready? Number one, we need to cut some things out. I believe the Lord's speaking to us right now. There are men and women in this room. You know exactly what that means. It could be as severe as someone who's involved in an affair. It could be as simple as somebody who's smoking a cigarette. There are some things in our lives we know we need to cut out. Okay? We know that. So now we must do something with it. Here's the second thing. We need to make some commitments. And, and, and again, this is what we already knew. Am I right? Like, like, he's like I'm going to get in shape. The concept of it is great. The commitment of it, <laughs> ain't feeling like it today. <laughs> Not today. You know, you know the, the, the idea of we're going to do it tomorrow? <laughs> and that's the plan to say that every day? Tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow? When are you going to start? Tomorrow. I was actually thinking about that the other day. Going to start tomorrow. Talk to him the next day. You started yet? No, nah, man, something came up. We're going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> and it's the whole idea. And let me bring it in. It's the whole idea of after I do this, then I'll do that. After we get all this straight with the kids, then we'll do this. And after we get this figured out at home, then we'll do that. And after we do this, and here's the problem. Don't even say then we're going to do that because we don't even do this. Like that's, I, I know, I can say that to you. I got a bunch of little things I got to fix around the house. When are you going to do that? Tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow. 
Why you didn't do it? Because I was planning to do it tomorrow. <laughs> but I knew I needed to do it today. And so just like I say there's some commitments we need to make, I'll also say there's some commitments we need to keep. There's some commitments that we've made to the Lord. There's some moments where we stood before God in worship and we could sense God's presence and we whispered, God, I will do that for you. We didn't count the cost for it. And now we try to avoid those little worship moments because God might nudge us. He might nudge you and bring that right back to your memory and we don't want that. See, I know sometimes we don't participate in worship lifting our hands. It's not because we don't do that. It's because we don't want God to remind us of that thing that we said we would do the last time we did that. But we know in our hearts that commitment, it means more. To, 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 that, to that person that made that commitment to God in their teenage years, that God, I'm going to serve you, and then they go to college. And it's a different setting than the teenage years when they were in high school at the camp and they said that. Now they're in college. And it's a change of scenery. And the commitment is tested now. But we made that commitment to him that I will give you my life. It's that commitment that we made to God that if God gave us that job, that promotion, that we would be a light in that position, that God, if you got me on that team, I will be a light. And then we get on the team and we forgot about the commitment that we made. And I feel like God is using Joshua to get these people ready to step into the promised land. And before they're about to step into the answer to, pr the answer to prayer, the promises of God, it's like, hold on now, before we go, Let's take care of some things so we don't mess that up when we get there. So, so, that, so that our character can sustain the gift that is given to us. You know what I'm saying? And so before I step into that marriage, I want to get some things with me right. Before I jump into that job, I want to get my head right. Before I start doing this new thing, I want to make sure that I'm in the right place to prepare myself because I see the possibility of great things that God wants to do in my life. I can see it. I can sense it. I, I just know there's something there, but I've got to be careful with how I proceed because I know I could mess it up, not because I'm crazy, but because I just wasn't ready. Over the last couple of months, the Lord's been stirring my heart to share vision. And I've done this before, and I get excited about sharing vision because, man, the imagery of it, the, the, the inspiration of it, man, it gets people fired up, man. Like, I don't know about you, but I get fired up whenever vision is shared. We start looking at the possibilities of what we're going to do. Let's go. Let's go. But then I also have been down the road far enough to know that it's not just excitement. It's execution. <laughs> I got to live this. I've learned that vision isn't just a statement, it's a calling. 
It's a calling. And it's not just a calling of one person in the church. It's a calling of this entire congregation of people that God has called us and has assembled us together for a bigger purpose than just, I want to get my family in church. For a bigger purpose of, I love the music at that church. For a bigger purpose than, I like the message. I love the kids. Man, it's more. That may have got you through the door, but what God wants to do through us is bigger than that. And all of that stuff is big, but it's bigger than that. And it's this understanding that God has assembled this group of people in this room. And maybe you're a first-time guest today, and you're like, what have I gotten myself into? I think I like this, but that other stuff he said, I don't know if I like that. Hang around. Hang around. I believe God brings us together for a purpose. And the purpose of God for this church, I need you to hear this, includes the purpose of God for you. And when we align the two together, there is something powerful that can take place. And I want to finish with a verse of Scripture. And I'm going to carry this on next week, but I wanted to finish today with a cliffhanger. That's where I wanted to go, to get you to a cliffhanger today. Because I said a lot of good stuff up front. That's heavy because it's change. It's like, get ready, get ready. Put your shoes on. Some of y'all going to be tomorrow morning. Get your shoes on, kid, please. But there was a verse of Scripture that God gave me. We'll talk some more about it last week, but I want to read it to you. In fact, I want you to stand to your feet because we're wrapping up right here. They're going to pop it on the screen. It's Acts 18, verse 9. And like I said, next week I'm going to unpack this for you so you don't want to miss this. And this is what it says. The Lord spoke to Paul in the night through a vision. That's what we're doing. We're sharing vision. And this was what he said. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one shall attack you and hurt you. And this is the part I wanted to get to. For I have many people in this city. And that's the word the Lord spoke to me. For us. He says, I have many people in this city. There's many people in this city that belong to Jesus that haven't even walked through the doors of a church yet. These are our friends. This is our family. These are our coworkers. These are our neighbors. These are the people that we do life with. They're coming. But God will use people like you to bring them in. This is why it's so important that we get ourselves ready because what's going to happen whenever they start coming and they start asking you the questions at the ball game when y'all are hanging out? And we're not at church for you to say, oh, let's go talk to Pastor Wade or let's go talk to them. Let's go. And it's you. <laughs> it's you. And they ask you, well, what do you do whenever you're walking through this? And you can be like so many of us. Oh, Lord, please help me right now to say the right thing. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you'll see God say stuff through you that you never knew you were able to say. Happens all the time. Are you ready for that? Like, that's the stuff. Are, are, are you ready 
to give that invite. Hey, I want to invite you to come with us to church. Are, are, are you ready to bring them to small group with you? Whenever they start coming, they say, ooh, ooh, small groups, that sounds great. Hey, which small group are you in? Oh, we took the semester off. Yeah, yeah. I'm not messing with any. Well, yeah, I am. Okay. But <laughs> the question for us is this. With all that God wants to do, are we ready for it? And I want us to be ready because when we're ready, not only do the people that we're trying to reach get to experience, you and I get to experience it. And God works through. He works through. And he will work through each and every one of us. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Jesus, thank you that you're speaking in this room. You're speaking so much better than me. We know there are things that we need to cut out. We know there are things that we need to commit to. And we're going to do it because we want to be prepared for what you're going to do. And your word is spoken. There are many people in this city that belong to you, many. And we understand our responsibility and calling as a church to reach them. So, Lord, our prayer is this. Prepare us. How many of you, you know, I got something I need to cut out in my life. Just wave your hand at me. You don't have to tell me what it is, but you know I got some things I need to cut out. Yep. You already knew. How many of you would say, Pastor, I got some commitments I need to keep. I got some commitments I need to make. Yep. That's it. Let's do it, y'all. Look at me, church. Let's do it. Let's go do it. Let's cut the stuff out. Let's make the commitments and let's start stepping in. Listen, it's great to talk about the Red Sea part and it's great to talk about the, the Jordan River part. But when you got to be the first one to put your foot into it, it's kind of like, is this going to work? Can I tell you the work that God is doing in you sets up the work that God's going to do through you. And all he says is keep stepping. This is a step we've got to take as individuals because we're about to step into some things, y'all. I'm telling you, I sense what God is going to do. There's a lot of people coming to Jesus, and God's going to use us. Amen? Let's pray. we got to go. I'm late. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing, what you're speaking in this room. And God, we need you to help us to cut these things out. We need your grace. We need your strength. We need some people around us to help us to do it but we also need your help to keep these commitments we know we got some things to arrange in our schedules we know we got some changes to make and God it's our heart intention to do it but we need help to actually do it practically so Father I pray for your grace to be on every person in here today and I pray Father through this week that you would begin to speak to our hearts open our eyes to see the possibilities of what you want to do in us and through us, but Father, at the same time, help us to be aware of the things that need to change so that we can walk in your goodness, so we can walk in your blessings. Father, I pray over this group of people right now as we walk out of these doors, even those who are watching online, thank you, Father, that you have a plan. And previous generations have experienced great things, but Father, this is the time for this generation. This is the moment. This is the hour. And I pray, God, for an outpouring of your spirit in this generation on these people, Father, that this congregation, Father, will experience the fullness of your glory. Not just a part of it, God, but the fullness of your life. And so, Lord, as we walk out of those doors today, we're not leaving you, but we're walking out of those doors pursuing you, God. 
So, Lord, I pray that you will cause us to shine like a city on a hill. Let us have a heart of compassion to reach people, a heart that is sensitive to you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Love you guys so much. we got to go home. If you want to give, give at the Hub. Give online. Y'all have a great day.